You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It is time once again for another edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, your trusty, trusty if not talented host of the program, the show as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. March brings with it St. Patrick's Day and creeps us closer to the Easter holiday. So keep both of those, both of those in mind as we move through the month of March. Also, if you're going to settle in for some March Madness, which on the University of Alabama front looks like it's going to involve both the men's and women's basketball teams, what better place to stock up on your March Madness munchies than right there at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Joined on the program by the executive producer of SFS, Jacob Harrison, and together we combine to form the 60 of Sports Talk Radio. Jacob, how was your weekend, my man? Busy. Incredibly, incredibly busy. I busy. You, you don't know how much crap you have until you have to move all of it within a forty-eight hour period. <laughs> and we had talked about that before. I think you're moving pretty close, right? I mean, it's only like a couple of three doors down, two doors, but down. It, it, not, it not quite matter. the great nineties band. Yeah, I, I was thinking maybe three doors down should have been the playlist thing of the day <laughs> after that move. But we could we could go with it even with two doors down. Um, but I agree with you, man. We talked about this last week. It's just, there's levels of stress and then there's moving stress. And I don't care if you're moving next door, if you're moving eight hours away, not a lot of fun, the old move, but, uh, we've got a lot to talk about on a Monday edition of Southern fried sports, obviously a lot of collegiate athletics to delve into from the sports weekend. It is a Monday, so we will get into winners and losers, From the sports weekend, if you'd like to jump on board with yours, we are wide open from tip to finish on Mondays. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. Your pick, your choice. You want to talk about Alabama men's basketball. First, SEC regular season title since 2002 for the Crimson Tide. Alabama gets it done 
gets it done over in Starkville. Not much on style points, but as we've told you before, they don't ask how, they just ask how many. And for Alabama, 64 was enough Saturday night over at the hump. Alabama, 64, Mississippi State, 59. A game in which Alabama shot just 32% from the field, made it up on the defensive end. Very dogged effort from start to finish for this Alabama team. And as much as we talk about three-pointers, as much as we talk about tempo on offense, 94-foot game, Alabama put a lid on this regular season SEC title, largely on the defensive end of the floor. That and another big advantage for the Alabama bench. Alabama reserves outscored Mississippi State's 36-5. to So there you go. That's been a pretty common theme throughout the season. When you get 19 from Javon Quinterly like Alabama did on Saturday night, that's usually a good thing for the Crimson Tide. And look, James Rojas, he catches some grief from the guys and gals on social media and on message boards, including ours there at BamaOnline.com, the roundtable. They get after James Rojas, but he's just so Juco-y, I don't know how you can't love James Rojas. As a hashtag Juco parent, I love James Rojas and Keon Ellis. And who was willing to take the shot late on Saturday night? You had some primary options that, in my opinion, and what was it, a two-point game late there on Saturday night? They didn't look as ready to take that three late. And if they did take it, it didn't look so good in the air or coming off the rim and backboard in some instances. But Rojas... No hesitation. Hits the big three. Alabama's lone made field goal in its last nine attempts of the game. James Rojas with 9.6 boards off the bench. Quinterly with 19 off the bench. Had a little change. Had a little change to that starting lineup. Keon Ellis getting the start in place of freshman Josh Primo. Eh, it's about what you would expect. Primo with just eight minutes on Saturday night. That was interesting. Ellis, defensively, is going to lock people up. So you know you can count on that. Just two points for Ellis. Just took three shots, four rebounds, had a couple of turnovers. Meanwhile, Alabama forces 16 Mississippi State turnovers. And the Crimson Tide gets it done. 64-59 and can breathe easy now. Can semi-breathe easy. There's still some things to be done here at the end of this regular season with Alvin coming in here. Tomorrow night. And then, of course, the recently scheduled road trip set for this Saturday over in Athens, Georgia, Daddy, taking on the Georgia Bulldogs in a rematch of an earlier game here in Tuscaloosa that Alabama was able to win. So still some work to be done. Big picture wise, you want to try to maintain seating and or your position in the NCAA tournament draw as best you can. So a lot a lot still on the line this week for Nate Oates' team. 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio line. If you'd like to jump on board with us this morning, we'll continue to talk Alabama men's basketball throughout the program, but elsewhere in the athletic department, you had a busy weekend on the Diamonds here in Tuscaloosa. Alabama softball with another perfect run through one of its events. This time in the Easton Crimson Classic, Lexi Kilfoyle, the second-year pitcher and hitter, Lexi Kilfoyle. What a weekend 
for the sophomore. Didn't give up anything in the circle. Two shutouts for Lexi Kilfoyle, including a no-hitter against the Tar Heels of North Carolina on Saturday. Oh, by the way, she also had an RBI double in that 2 to nothing win over the Tar Heels. And it's not like she got a ton of run support in either of those shutouts over the weekend against North Carolina and Troy. No KB sides in the lineup. Murph, it sounds like, isn't expecting sides to be back for a couple weeks. Spotted her in a boot over the weekend there at the Crimson Classic. So dealing with some injuries offensively and really a team that's got to stay healthy offensively because whereas you like the first eight or nine or so that you can run up there to the plate, uh, those are your eight or nine. This isn't what I would consider to be an exceptionally deep team off the bench. So really need to keep these frontline players as healthy as possible. Alabama gets it done with the five wins in the Crimson Classic. Two over Memphis, two over North Carolina. The single win over a really good, solid Troy team on Sunday. Alabama pitching overall on Saturday and Sunday. Five hits allowed in the three wins. That'll work. That'll work. So now you get Mississippi State in here on Wednesday for a non-conference game against a conference opponent. And sounds a little strange, but it makes a lot of sense. Because Alabama doesn't face Mississippi State in conference play this season. So why not? Why not just have the dogs come from an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes away and have a uh, midweek game? That's what Alabama's going to do. You also have another event over there at Road Stadium set for the upcoming weekend. This time, the Easton T-Town Showdown. You're going to have Kent State, Northern Iowa, and South Alabama in for that one. And then SEC play gets underway the following weekend at Auburn. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. Alabama baseball with a successful weekend. Over there off Bryant Drive, a sweep of Wright State to move to 7-1 and one on the young season. Had the 11-inning game in game one of that Saturday double dip. And William Hameter, former Product of our Northridge Jags gets it done with the walk-off single on Saturday in game one. Eight to seven, Alabama gets it done in that one. That keys the three-game sweep, although had to battle in game two, the seven-inning affair to wrap up that Wright State series on Saturday. Dylan Smith and Landon Green combined on a two-hit shutout in that seven-inning game. Ten strikeouts between Smith and Green. And so now you move forward. Another busy midweek for Alabama. Had two games midweek last week. Going to have UAB at Regents Field over in Birmingham tomorrow night, followed by Troy in here on Wednesday. And then you take off to Charleston. I like that trip. I like how you think, Brad Bohannon. A weekend, if you're a culinary sort of snob, a foodie like yours truly, you'll take all those road trips to Charleston, South Carolina you can get. Great thing about Charleston is when you're coming in, you know, if you just want to waffle house it up, kind of give yourself a base there, you can do that in Charleston, South Carolina. But then, man, you get over there and you got Husk. You've got such a wide variety. Uh, Of course, the Lowcountry Fair is second to none there in Charleston, South Carolina. So you're going to have that trip coming up this weekend for Alabama baseball. Coming up in a couple weekends, 
you're going to have the Stetson Hatters in here for a weekend series. Uh, Stetson notable because maybe you know this, maybe you don't. Chipper Jones's father, Larry Wayne Jones Sr., a former player and assistant coach at Stetson University. Right there in gorgeous, lovely, quaint DeLand, Florida. Home of the Mossy Oaks right there in Central Florida. That is essentially where Chipper Jones was raised prior before prior before being shipped out up to Jacksonville in the bowl school for the high school years. So you got that on tap for the Alabama baseball team. Going to step aside for our first break. We come back more into winners and losers from the sports weekend. Your phone calls at 205-342-9904. Southern Fried Sports on a Monday presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier right here on Tide 100.9 FM. More of the show right after this. University of Alabama. This is Crimson Tide today. It's a daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by Seaspire. Add Seaspire Fiber to your roster at cspire.com/alfiber. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. The sixth-ranked Alabama men's basketball team beat Mississippi State 64 to 59 on Saturday night to clinch the 2021 Southeastern Conference regular season championship. It is the program's first conference title in 19 years, dating back to the 2001 to 2002 season. Guard Javon Quinterly led the Crimson Tide with a game-high 19 points off the bench, while guard Jaden Shackelford added 15 points and 6 rebounds. Forward Herbert Jones pulled down a season-best 14 rebounds, including 6 on the offensive glass. Alabama improved to 19-6 overall and 14-2 in SEC play with the win. The 14 wins in league play is tied for 5th most in program history, with still 2 conference matchups left to go. I'll have more in a moment. Bad internet is bad for business. We've all been there. Lagging video chats, slow downloads. Oh, come on. It's just not a good look. Instead, call Seaspire Business. Our local experts deliver gigabit speeds backed by thousands of miles of fiber for the fastest, most reliable internet around. Period. No excuses, no apologies. Just fiber fast internet that works. Seaspire Business. See how our fiber solutions can help power your success at ceasefirebusiness.com. Join us tonight for Hey Coach, presented by Alpha Insurance on the network at 6 p.m. Central. We're hosting the show live from Baumhauer's Victory Grill in Tuscaloosa. And we'll be joined during the show by rowing coach Glenn Putre, as well as basketball head coach Nate Oates in person at the restaurant. The show begins at 6 p.m. and we'll be streaming live as well on our Facebook and Twitter pages. And that's your BAM update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by Seaspire. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Our sky will stay mostly cloudy this afternoon and tonight. Just a few widely scattered showers around. The high today 62, colder tonight, the low 42. Tomorrow, cloudy with widespread rain, the high 55. Wednesday, becoming sunny, the high 63. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 61 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app.
of a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. I was a pretty good dude on the over the weekend. I did I did better in terms of the weekend sort of diet. Salmon. I had salmon on Friday and Sunday night. Got down to Central Mesa right there in downtown Tuscaloosa for the first time in a while. Always enjoy it. Just hadn't been in a while. And uh, had Central Mesa salmon. It was excellent. It was really good. I got to say this, though. The chocolate lady is still the best cook I know in all of Tuscaloosa. That's not just me saying that. Woo! Uh, That's not just me saying that. Obviously, I'm biased, but uh, she does this bourbon glaze salmon. She did it last night with this fresh off the cob corn. Oh, it's not street corn like you're going to get at Central Mesa, but it's kind of a hybrid, kind of a street corn meets my late maternal grandmother from Walker County's skillet corn. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, can't go wrong with that hybrid. It's the kind of hybrid we can all agree upon. So I did good this weekend. And as a matter of fact, even this morning, not to pat myself on the head too much. Okay, I will. Even got in the uh, even got in the neighborhood walk, even with the weather. Did the Airdyne bike. As I've said many times before, the greatest healer of injured players in collegiate sports is an Airdyne bike. The one where you ride with the arms and the legs. You know, you go to these practices and you see these injured student athletes on the side on those airdyne bikes. It's amazing how quickly they get back on the court, back on the field, after riding those airdyne bikes for just a couple of days. 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. If you'd like to jump on board on a Monday morning, we have just been informed that the Alabama men's basketball team checks in at number eight this week in the Associated Poll. That's down a couple of spots. Not a surprise coming off a one-in-one week. The 15-point loss at Arkansas midweek, followed up by the five-point win on the road at Mississippi State on Saturday evening. Um, Not a surprise from that standpoint. You also are starting to wonder what the perception of this team going into the postseason is going to be. Because buckets haven't been coming as easily of late. Alabama now in consecutive games scoring fewer than 67 points. Well below its season average in those two games against Arkansas and Mississippi State. More so late game situations. Who's the dude? Who are you going too late in a tournament scenario when you need a bucket? Is it going to be Herb off the bounce? You going to feel comfortable with maybe Shackelford? It should be John Petty, right? I mean, John Petty has sort of add, added in this back-to-the-basket turnaround game that's at times pretty effective. Never not going to be known, though, more so than as a primary three-point shooter, perimeter option, has gotten stronger with the basketball in his time at Alabama. Early in his career, turnovers were a real problem simply because he wasn't strong enough with the ball when trying to drive it to the rim. So I think that's going to continue to be one of the questions. Not not so much scoring output because this team has showed you even on nights when it doesn't go off for 105 or you know something crazy. 
it has that ability in year two under Nate Oates to lock you down pretty good defensively. You still got to have that guy at the end of the game, though. And so that's where we'll continue to watch this team and maybe have a question or two. I'll tell you, a couple of guys who aren't scared, maybe sometimes to their own detriment and to Alabama's detriment, are Quinterly and Rojas. They're not scared. I'll say that. I don't know if they're necessarily who you want taking that shot, but uh, they're willing. They're willing participants when that shot clock gets down under 10 or under 5 to pull the trigger. So uh, matchups this week for this Alabama team should help. Auburn coming in here, uh, you know, those two teams first time around, what was it, 184 combined points down on the Plains. Both teams getting into the 90s. Uh, Georgia is a team that Alabama should be able to score it against on Saturday. So I would expect an uptick in the offensive production in these two games this week. By the way, I saw before the show that uh, tomorrow night there will be no awarding of the FOI ODK Sportsmanship Trophy at halftime of the alabama Alban game at Coleman Coliseum. I believe it was Cecil Hurt who had that update just prior to the show. Uh, we've said many times before on the show that that shouldn't happen anyway. There should never be an awarding of the, the FOI ODK Sportsmanship Trophy at halftime of the basketball game. Should do it. One thing I do like about the Big Ten, one thing I think they get right, and I think you know it's a little bit over the top, all the different trophies they play for in the Big Ten. I mean, what do they play for up there? Axes, buckets, um, spittoons, uh, you name it. I think Michigan State it. plays for Paul Bunyan's blue cow or something like that. Yeah, pigs. Don't they play? One of them is the the bronze hog or something. Yeah, Jacob. I mean, what 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 don't they play for up in the Big Ten? You know, some of that's kind of laughable, I guess you could say. But what I do like about the Big Ten, when those games are over, there goes the axe to the winner, right? Right there on the field. There goes the barrel. There goes the bucket. The spittoon, the uh, spatula, whatever it is they're playing for. I like that. The oven mitts, you know. It, it happens. It happens right now, right on the field. I don't I don't necessarily like the halftime of the basketball thing. I know in a lot of years it's an attempt to, to sell some tickets, but haven't we reached a point with Alabama and Auburn basketball now? You know, Auburn a couple of years fresh from a Final Four appearance. Alabama, you're 2021. Regular season champs, do we need to do it to sell tickets still? Also saw some conversation on the internet in the last couple of days about the tournament titles in the SEC versus the regular season title, and I summed it up this way in a response with a tweet. TV is what uh, the conference tournaments are about, and that's no offense to teams that have won conference tournaments. Alabama's obviously had a lot of success uh, in the SEC tournament, you take them, absolutely. But it's all about the regular season when it comes to the league. You know, the regular season is the one that goes up in the rafters. I think some places, conference tournament championships don't even get a banner. Which, to me, if you're going to tout NCAA and NIT appearances, you should probably have the tournament champs up in the in the rafters, too. And really, it's all kind of a switch from the postseason when it's all about the NCAA tournament, when we're talking about determining a, a national champion. 
when you think about college sports, though, and the particular sports where the regular season title takes precedent, it's not all that many anymore. You know? What is it? Um, I think in baseball, it's still bigger. Still a bigger deal, especially in a league like the SEC with the depth of teams that you have. Softball, too, now. I'd say the same for SEC softball. It is a far bigger accomplishment to win the regular season title than it is the SEC tournament title. But I will say, as a result, with baseball especially, it's just hard to make the SEC tournament. You know, pretty much if you make the SEC tournament, you are an NCAA tournament team. It is an NCAA tournament within a conference tournament. Softball has become kind of that way in the Southeastern Conference. And then I would say men's and women's hoops, regular season titles very much take precedent over the the uh, tournament titles. I mean, the tournaments at the Power Five level, they're, they're content. They're, they're for television. Now, you get into some of the mid-majors like the Big West, some of those leagues – it's all about the bid. You know, those are one bid leagues, and there are the auto bids. So if you are a Big West team or uh, maybe even the Ohio Valley or something like that, you know, you're playing for your NCAA tournament life. But once you get to the Power 5 level, it's television dollars. You know, that's why the Pac-12 came on board finally a few years back with a conference tournament. Two zero five three four two. 9904, that is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. If you'd like to check in with us, going to step aside for another break. Hey, let's talk some uh, Alabama football when we come back. I'm working on a piece for BamaOnline.com, which will drop later this afternoon. I need Jacob Harrison's input on this. I think I have my pecking order in place. Looking at the opposing quarterbacks on Alabama's 2021 schedule, who would you have at the top of that list? Bo Nix is back at Auburn. What about De'Eric King at Miami, coming off that knee injury in the bowl game? Matt Corral. What about Matty C over in Oxford? Emory Jones expected to step in for Kyle Trask at Florida. And then the long forgotten now, Miles Brennan, had that injury in week three against Missouri. You saw the freshman thrust into the fire for the Tigers, T.J. Finley, and my personal favorite, Max Johnson. Let's talk some quarterbacks on Alabama's upcoming schedule. When Southern Fried Sports returns on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show is always brought to you by Peter Brook Chuck Latier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. So let's get into some Alabama football talk as we pass the midway point of today's program. By the way, according to Matt Zenitz of AL.com, Nick Saban has hired Ron Cooper, veteran, veteran coach, to the support staff at the University of Alabama. Cooper has been a head coach at multiple, multiple Division I programs, most recently an assistant coach under Chad Morris at the University of Arkansas. Ryan Cooper has updated his Twitter profile with the title of Senior Analyst at Alabama Football. So it looks all but official that Ron Cooper, very much a veteran of the college football wars, is going to be a support staff member at UA moving forward. Speaking of moving forward, we're going to look ahead to the 2021 schedule just a little bit. Working on a piece for BamaOnline.com, set to drop a little bit later this afternoon, on the top quarterbacks on Alabama's schedule. For the 2021 season, uh, not that difficult to come up with some candidates for that top five. After all, Bo Nix, a two-year starter at Auburn, going through a coaching change with Brian Harson coming in there. Different offensive style. The marriage of Bo Nix in Harson's offense will certainly be an intriguing storyline as we head up to the 2021 season. I'm going to be as interested in how much more Mike Bobo can get out of Bo Nix. Has Bo Nix just pretty much reached his ceiling? Especially as in the area of being a, a passer. How much more can Mike Bobo, the new offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Auburn, get out of Bo Nix? You've also got Derek King to consider. The Houston transfer put up big numbers in his first season with the Miami Hurricanes in 2020. Unfortunately, for King and the Hurricanes, he uh, sustained that knee injury against Oklahoma State in the bowl game. Underwent surgery. We'll see what type of timeline he's on to make it back, hopefully, for that September the 4th matchup with Alabama in Atlanta. Of course, Matt Corral back at Ole Miss. Threw for 365 yards against Alabama in the Rebels 63-48 to loss to the Crimson Tide last season. Matt has problems with that zone D. Mixing a little more zone, and he'll throw it to you. He had interceptions of, what, 7-6, and 6-5, six, six and five, something like that. Arkansas got him. Uh, Mississippi State got him pretty good, I think. Yeah. Also, Emory Jones of the Florida Gators. It's going to be interesting with Jones if he is, in fact, the guy for Dan Mullen because it might be, in fact, I think it it will be, a lot more like the offense with Dan Mullen that we last saw at Mississippi State. Remember Nick Fitzgerald running the football in that offense back in 2017 for Mullen with his last team there in Starkville? I think we're going to see more of that with Emory Jones in there. He also has some key departures from receivers uh, with that team. And then Miles Brennan expected back, or is back, with LSU after the injury cut short his 2020 season. What about it, 
Jacob Harrison. I've thrown some candidates out there for the top quarterbacks on Alabama's schedule for next season. Who would you put as prime candidates for the very top of that list? I I think there's some interesting candidates that, that you didn't name there. And and I'll start with KJ Jefferson with, with Arkansas. Uh you know, had that, that baller of a game last year against Missouri and with Arkansas if they can continue to have that, that upward trajectory, I I think I think he could be a prime candidate there. But I also look over to, to Starkville and what the Pirates got going on. He brought in Jack Abraham. How about potentially the, the quarterback to watch? being a guy who's already thrown 41 touchdowns and 7,000 yards at Southern Miss, and that's Jack Abraham with the Bulldogs now. Yeah, I, I considered um, I considered Jefferson. We, we saw a little bit of him against Alabama. Unfortunately, he went out with that knee injury, which thankfully wasn't as serious as it first looked to be during that game back in December. Um, I'm aware of Abraham. I believe he's a South Alabama guy, isn't he? Isn't he a, is he a Mobile area guy? Um, but he, he put up some, some big numbers during his time, uh, there at USM, but I, I probably was thinking more Will Rogers than Abraham, uh, because we saw Mississippi state invest, you know, uh, the second half of the 2020 season, pretty much to the true freshman, Will Rogers, that'll be an interesting battle. Uh, but I was thinking more Will Rogers, maybe with Mississippi state. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you have to dig on, on this list initially uh, of opposing quarterbacks. In other words, it doesn't it doesn't even look as much like last year when you look at this list. And, you know, for me, I think Derek King would be at the top of my list, but I just don't know about the knee injury now. If, and go ahead. If he plays, he's number one, no, no doubt. Yeah. You know, there, there's, no, there's no reason to joke around at that point. But I, I feel like. At this point last year, we were kind of asking a similar question of, okay, well, we have a feeling it'll be Mac Jones and, and Kyle Trask and Kellen Mond, but are these guys really elite players that can lead these teams? And lo and behold, I think they kind of you know exceeded expectations. Even Kellen Mond, who I've always been critical of, you know, he still led the Aggies to be a top five team. So even if we don't know all these guys right now, and and maybe there are a few battles, I mean. It's still the SEC. It's still going to produce the the top quality content or or, or competition, excuse me, out out of all of these guys. Yeah, it, it's tough too because things can still change with this transfer portal between now and September. It was Jamie Newman with Georgia last year coming in from Wake Forest that we were like, oh, here we go, that early season matchup in Tuscaloosa. You're going to have Jamie Newman for Georgia at quarterback. No. Instead, it was Stetson Bennett in here. So um, things can change, too, when it comes to kind of what you expect. I think LSU, I would actually have Miles Brennan right now at the top of this list and or at near the top, maybe Corral, then Brennan, because Corral's numbers are pretty undeniable. He threw for over 3,300 yards. He had 29 touchdown passes last season. Uh, but, again, he, he was also prone – to the turnover and where I worry about Corral a little bit is he is losing Elijah Brown. He is losing his tight end, Kenny Yaboa, but he is bringing back Dontario Drummond, Jonathan Mingo. I've said it before. I've already on record. I think John Rice Plumley, some way, somehow Lane Kiffin's going to make a star 
out of that multi-purpose threat. Obviously, he's been a quarterback uh, early in his career at Ole Miss, but you started to see him used as an all-purpose guy later in the 2020 season. So I still think Corral's going to have some weapons to work with. I like LSU's quarterback situation the best. You know, it's easy to sort of just blow by Miles Brennan, but the fact is in three games last season, he passed for 1,112 yards and 11 touchdowns in three games. It's pretty good numbers, you know, when you start to average it out. That's more than 350 a game um, in yards. That's nearly four touchdown passes a game. Uh, He did have that injury. We did see T.J. Finley. And Max Johnson is true freshman for the Tigers. I couldn't have been more impressed by Max Johnson than I was. Saw him a little bit off the bench against Alabama in December. But then he went with LSU on the road, of course, and upset the Florida Gators in Gainesville. Then came home and got a win over Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss at Tiger Stadium. So in checking with some LSU folks over the weekend, There still seems to be the belief that Brennan will go into spring as the number one guy, but I like their competition set up for the spring because they were able to get Finley and Max Johnson. For me, though, and and O's probably got to look at this differently because he's feeling it, not only after the the on-the-field events of the 2020 season, but also with all the smoke that is around that program right now from an NCAA and Title IX perspective, uh, you know, is Brennan the safer choice? I like Max Johnson's upside of that quarterback room the most right now. But, yeah, I mean, just looking at these options, if you're an Alabama defense, you look at everything Alabama's returning in the secondary. You know, this was a defense in 2020 that was very much safety heavy. Your two base starters, then you also went with a safety in Malachi Moore, largely as your star defensive back. You came off the bench with Brian Branch and Dime, and he also handled some star, of course, late in the season. All those guys are back. Um, and then you look at corner, you got to replace Patrick Sertan, but with Josh Joe back, and the numbers look really good in terms of talent at corner. A guy like Marcus Banks has been around a couple of years. He may be ready to jump into a starting role. But then, of course, you've got a five-star talent coming in. And Jaquincy McKinstry from the high school ranks, who is already on campus, you're bringing in a Juco 6'3 corner in Kyrie Jackson. I guess the point is these quarterbacks, these passing attacks for these opponents looking ahead to 2021 don't exactly – have Alabama and its fans shivering in their collective boots. Let's go to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line right now. Check in with Lance on a Monday morning. Lance, how you doing? Good morning. Good morning. How are you? About lunchtime, isn't it? <laughs> it is about lunchtime. Yes, sir. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, what do you think? Uh, one of the things I, I can, was concerned about is with Nick Saban's age, Teams were going to start using that against, but man, it looks like it's going the opposite direction. You know <laughs> that people want to play for it. You know, even though he's sixty-nine, going to be seventy, and doesn't know how long he's uh, going to be around. But um, I just, I just wonder what you you thought about that. That's amazing to me. 
that they're not Lance, using. Lance, you, I'm you sure think, they're using that against him. Yeah, you, you think working. you think opponents are just now going to start using his age against him? <laughs> I mean, come on. They gonna start They've probably been doing it for Travis. 10 years now. I mean, remember the Georgia game? That was three years ago, the national championship matchup with Georgia. Oh, remember yeah. how Remember how the lead-up was, well, here's the passing of the torch from Nick yeah. Saban to the disciple, Kirby Smart. That was three years ago, and the guy just won another national championship, and he's 69 years old. It will only matter when Alabama backs up a subpar season with another subpar season. In other words, if you're an opponent of Nick Saban – you really wanted to see 2020 be another two-loss or more type of season on the heels of the two-loss 2019 season. That's what you wanted to see, maybe three, maybe four losses. Then there's some substance to that. But as long as a guy keeps winning national championships and sending four-plus first-rounders to the NFL draft Uh, every year, it doesn't doesn't hold any water with these people. With well, these recruits, I, it seems like it's coming more, more so now. You know, oh, they're gonna, they're gonna keep, they're gonna keep rolling it out there, but he keeps answering with W's and draft picks, and that's what these young people see, you know. Trap, trap. Let me ask you: Do you remember? Can you hear me now? Okay, on my phone. I got you loud and clear, Lance. All right, yeah. Can you remember when we knocked down to eighty-five scholarships? And they said, no, it's going to be parity from now on. One, one team will not dominate, you know, after this. Buddy, that was incorrect. It's about like the Mercedes plant, you know, that uh, so many people disagreed with that. But um, do you recall that? I recall it. I was a young man. I was a young man when it dropped to 85. But, no, I, I you know, growing up with college football – I, I, you know, I, I, I remember that very well. And I, now you, you, you hear people say, well, I need to maybe cut it even tighter. You know I mean? <laughs> well, <clears throat> but anyway, that, that's just, um, that's just amazing to me the way Alabama is going right now. The basketball, uh, basketball team is coming up, you know, so that is, um, that's another feather for the University of Alabama. We didn't expect that. We didn't expect that the second year. That's all there was to it. Uh, no. Let me have one other question. You may not know. Did uh, does Coach Oates get the players to shoot fifty three pointers after practice every day? Do you know? Fifty after practice? I don't know. Yeah. You know, usually. Usually I had after, heard that he did that, and they had to do it within so many minutes. And if they didn't do it in so many minutes, they have to do it again. So now I yeah. don't know about that. You know, usually you hear that with free throws, but it, it wouldn't surprise me with Alabama when it comes to threes. And no, the the, the time shooting drills are, you know, they're they're a they're a good thing in a couple different ways. I mean, you're getting more shots up, but you're also doing it within a time frame, so you're getting some cardio covered in that span as well. Can you sustain, can you maintain your legs as a shooter? Because as right. we know, as games go on, mm-hmm. you get later in games, fatigue comes into play, and it starts impacting the, the technical aspect and, and the ability Whoa. to make shots. 
Well, uh, well, all right, man. I just wanted to put those questions out there, but I appreciate it. All right, Thank Lance. So we much. always enjoy hearing from you. All right. Bye-bye. Have a good rest of your Monday. There he goes. Yeah, the uh, the opposing coaches out there, uh, they, they've been they've been getting after Nick in the 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 age I think for for a little while now. But uh, Nick just answers, keeps answering with these championships. And again, you know they'll cringe in April when that NFL draft gets underway. And here they come, those first round picks, as many as what five or six I would think with this class. Yeah, that's what keeps them coming to the University of Alabama. Going to step aside for a quick break. When we come back, breaking news with J.J. Watt. Has he found his new home? We'll talk about that as we wrap up a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Our sky will stay mostly cloudy this afternoon and tonight. Just a few widely scattered showers around. The high today, 62. Colder tonight, the low 42. Tomorrow, cloudy with widespread rain, the high 55. Wednesday, becoming sunny, the high 63. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 61 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. of SFS, The Who. Speaking of who, who is J.J. Watt going to play for in 2021? And I think, Jacob Harrison, we now understand why Russell Wilson may be ready to leave Seattle. It's because he's now going to have J.J. Watt and Aaron Donald in his division. J.J. Watt to the Cardinals? Jacob Harrison? What in the world? I, I think Russ had a, a safer weekend swimming with sharks that he's going to have in the NFL this season if he remains in Seattle. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. So, J.J. Watt to the Arizona Cardinals. According to Adam Schefter of ESPN, the Cardinals are giving J.J. Watt a two-year $31 million deal that includes $23 million guaranteed. That guaranteed money, that's all that matters. It's all you need to pay attention to in these deals, the guaranteed cash. And Jacob Harrison thought his penny-pinching Pittsburgh Steelers really had a shot here to fill out the trio of Watt brothers in the Steel City. Come on, Jacob! You you know, I I have immediately turned the page and gotten even more (laughs) irrational. This just means that in two years' time, when Cam Hayward uh, decides to retire alongside Ben Roethlisberger, that opens up the space and the cap, and then we don't have to get rid of Stephon Tuitt, and we can pair him up with J.J. Watt in two years' time. It's all good. Carl Carl Dunbar is still the DL coach for you guys? Yes, sir. There you go, the former Alabama defensive line coach. He would have liked to have seen J.J. Watt up there. 
with Jacob Stillers, but he's going to be a Cardinal instead. What's going to happen with Eric Gilbert now, by the way? We saw that yesterday. Eric Gilbert, the former LSU tight end, we talk about that LSU quarterback situation. It's taking a hit there with Eric Gilbert moving on, but Eric Gilbert had previously announced that he would, in fact, enroll at the University of Florida in advance of the 2021 season. Now Eric Gilbert on Sunday informs us via social media that he has re-entered the transfer portal and will look elsewhere. And in sort of sort of sniffing around the University of Florida football message boards, I guess there was some some talk about whether or not he was going to get in, an admission situation, who knows. All we do know is that Eric Gilbert is back on the market. Alabama. I think Alabama could be looking for another tight end with Miller Forrest all moving on. They've got an Eric Gilbert kind of guy already, Alabama does, though, don't they? Jalil Billingsley? Yeah. Eric Gilbert, though, special, special talent. No doubt about that. So now we'll find out where he ends up. The Georgia native. There was a lot of talk about UGA and Alabama when Gilbert decided to enter the portal initially and leave LSU. A little bit of a surprise when he did initially settle on the University of Florida. But uh, that's a hit for Dan Mullen, too, because Dan has been very proficient where the transfer portal is concerned. Eric Gilbert ranked as the top transfer in 2021. You've also got Henry Toa Toa, the Tennessee linebacker, on that list. Of course, Alabama involved there with Henry Toa Toa, two-year starter for the Tennessee Vols at inside linebacker. Perhaps Toa Toa on his way to Tuscaloosa. Still got to figure out this one-time transfer rule coming up in April. And then also on top of that, how does the SEC go about intra-league transfers? So still some red tape to sort through on the transfer front. But we do know a couple of things this morning. We do know the Alabama men's basketball team is ranked eighth in the latest Associated Press poll. We also know that J.J. Watt is going to be an Arizona Cardinal. There you go. A couple of things we learned. On a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports, the lunch whistle on this Monday. Brought to you by Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. You want to take care of a case of the Mondays, whether it's lunch, whether it's happy hour a little bit later this afternoon. They'll take great care of you at Southern Ale House. Get by there and have that Yardbird chicken sandwich for lunch. I'm just telling you, it is out of this world. Thanks again to Jacob Harrison for producing the show. Until 11 a.m. on Tuesday. Have a great rest of your Monday, everybody. 